0: Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast. It is Wednesday, February 7th. It's signing day where a bunch of young people are going to sign up to play college football with other young people, but we're talking about old people today. Luckily, we're not that old. We're still in our primes here as podcasters, but if we were baseball players, it might be a different story, so (laughs) I'm going to ask Scott, Chris, and Heath about eight older players and if they are still good or if they are getting too old. Good morning, young men. How are you? Good morning. Hi, Adam. How are, how are you doing? What are you laughing at? What did I do? I thought it was a decent
1: intro. <laughs>
2: that was the worst intro you ever Why? Oh, are you kidding? It was?
1: He has done he... numerous intros worse than that.
0: What was so was bad so about bad. it? It
1: was actually good for Adam's standards. Right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't think it was bad at all. <laughs> yeah.
2: I, th- I thought it was fine. It really
1: bothered
3: Chris.
2: Why? I, mean, I it didn't. I'm actually laughing.
3: Uh, all right, good. Well, that was the point. Yes, it was really
0: funny. Um, all right, we'll get to the oldies, but but goodies. We'll talk about our AL-only draft that we did yesterday. Ten-team head-to-head points league, American League only, and uh, some of the takeaways from there. We actually have some news across baseball with Todd Frazier going to the Mets, Irvin Santana out 10 to 12 weeks, O going to the Rangers, and, yeah, that's basically it. Let's start <laughs> with an email. Email of the day from Charles in Chicago, at com. But if I could just pause real quick, I just want to say that, like, I'm very self-conscious. Chris has made me very self-conscious right now.
2: <laughs> I hope you leave this in. It's all in. I don't understand. Oh, okay, this feels good. I like thought a, you were pausing, like for real. No, no. This feels like a like a solid podcast. Adam, to me, Adam. You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: all right, here's the email from Charles. Dear Non-Zero Chance, still waiting for your debut album. Uh, well, we we just kicked Chris out of the band, so in the meantime. I'm increasingly concerned about third base. The more I look at it, I think it's the weakest position, and I'm moving up my top seven third base choices accordingly. How do you guys see the position, and are you as concerned as I am about third base?
1: Not even close. In fact, I would make the opposite argument. I love third base. I think it's one of the deepest positions. I mean, I don't know who his top seven are, but I look outside of my top seven, and I've got Travis Shaw, I've got Devers, I've got Sano, I've got Nunez, Eduardo Nunez, who may actually be a starter somewhere. Justin Turner, Joey Gallo, Jake Lamb, Kyle, like guys like Kyle, Kyle Seeger, Seeger, and Mike Mustakas yeah. are outside of the top fifteen. Yeah. I
3: mean, well, I mean, I have Mustakas ninth, but that that you know that only reinforces your point that there's a, a lot of third basemen there with potentially similar outcomes that are, you know. Mike Moustakis just set the Kansas City record for home runs in a season. Um, I do think there is a drop after the top seven. Uh, I actually have it as eight, but you know Bregman and Jose Ramirez are both in that group, and they're they're likely to be drafted to play other positions. Uh, but I I see the drop as being after Justin Turner, and then you get into the moustakis Shaw Devers tier. But like you know, I don't I don't think it's a problem if you wind up with any of those guys as your starter either. I mean Kyle Seager. We're used to him being a top six, seven, third baseman, and now
1: I got him down to 15th. And not much really changed with him.
2: I will say there is potentially a lack of safety outside of the top 8, and I I think that's where the drop-off is. Less like, I'm not sure Justin Turner has that much more upside than Travis Shaw. Justin Turner, who Scott has 8th. He he did
3: better than Shaw last year, definitively. I mean, Turner on a per-game basis was elite last year. So there's – I I do think there's a distinction there, but Turner's also in his mid-30s and sure. has missed time with injury.
2: Yeah, I just – when you – but when you, once you get to, like, nine, Mustakis has one good year. Travis Shaw has one good year. Rafael Devers has one good month and a half. Adrian Beltre is old enough to be Rafael Devers' father. <laughs> uh, Miguel Sano, <laughs> there's a lot of risk with Miguel Sano that I don't think we've talked about, even beyond just the strike. Already. He's coming back from shin surgery. uh. Dealing with off-field things. Uh, and then Eduardo Nunez is another guy who has a limited track record of his own. So I would say yes, <clears throat> after the top eight, there is certainly a drop-off, but that doesn't mean I'm scared off of the position.
0: Okay, so Charles from Chicago, looks like you and I are the, the big losers today. With, me with my terrible intro, you with your pretty bad take on third base. It's a deep position, but that's okay. Try again, fantasy baseball at cbsi I'm sorry if that was mean. Chris is Chris has really changed me today. He's made me Adam something. Adam, I'm, 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 so I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> really right. rattled him. Yeah, you did. I understand.
1: He makes me meaner almost every day.
0: Well, here's a third baseman that went from being in 2016 uh top 10 third baseman, number nine in points, number six in Roto, to basically irrelevant last year, number 18 in points, number 23 in Roto. Todd Frazier. We got we got baseball news. Oh my goodness! A team signed someone, Todd Frazier, two years, seventeen million dollars to the Mets. Is he mixed league material or NL only?
2: He can be a corner infielder.
3: Yeah, not a yeah. Good he one. could be that. Not terribly excited about Todd Frazier. He just is the the kind of contact he's making suggests that um, he is post prime and post prime Todd Frazier is a low two hundred hitter. Who, you know, may still pop you 30 homers, but in this environment, doesn't go very far.
1: Well, that's the thing. is He he is a home run or bust hitter that has spent his entire career in like the parks that are in the top seven for home runs for right-handed hitters. Cincinnati, Chicago, New York. Now he's going to the Mets, which isn't terrible, but it certainly is still below average in terms of a home run park for a right-handed hitter. And he's not going to give you anything else. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, he could be a corner infielder if you wait to fill your corner infield to the end of the draft.
0: Okay. The skills have eroded. Yeah. So like I'm seeing Scott. You currently have Frazier 22nd and Franco 23rd. But are you going to change that since he's not on the? No, Yankees? I don't like either of them. Are we done with Michael Franco? Is
3: he just like we're done?
1: I'm not. Like I don't know that I have him ranked much differently than Scott does, but I do feel differently about him. I, I
3: feel like this is his last chance. Yeah. And and maybe it'll you know, maybe he'll break through. The the weird thing about Mike Alfranco is for a player with his power potential, he he makes a lot of contact and, and that, that's not trans, that's not translating to, to batting average. In fact, it's only gotten worse every year he's been in the majors. Uh next year, Philly's gonna have so much money to spend I have to think they're going to be in on the Manny Machado bidding, Josh Donaldson potentially. Uh If if Michael Franco doesn't establish himself as their third baseman of the future, he may not get another chance with them. And if he doesn't with them, he may not with anyone. Has Michael Franco been drafted
0: in our twelve-team, thirty-round Roto drafts? I, I feel like he hasn't. Uh, yeah, I don't think so. And it's that's weird a
1: mistake if not.
0: I want to. I like. I want to have some Michael Franco just in case. But yes. there are so many good hitters. Right now that
2: I could see the justification for leaving him as a free agent. I mean, is he even a top 24 third baseman for either of you?
1: Yeah, I've got him, I think, right at the top 20.
3: Well, Adam just said he was, what, twenty. 24th for me. 24th. Uh, he's 23rd yeah.
0: for you, 19th for Heath. And you know what? The thinking here, we, we haven't done a 30-round roto draft. We haven't b- drafted benches in those leagues, I don't think. I think we've only gotten to 24, 23 or yep, 24 20, rounds. 23. We've only
3: right. filled out his lineup it, with the exception of the Dynasty League, but so many prospects. Were right, drafted. Right and there. he
2: did get drafted in the 16th round there. So Oh, okay. In what? The Dynasty League?
0: Yeah. Alright, well he's only twenty five, Michael Franco. Alright, so that was Todd Fraser, Michael Franco. Here's Irvin Santana. He's out ten to twelve weeks after finger surgery. How were you valuing um Santana before this? And what about now?
3: I was valuing him as a safe and potentially underrated number four option mm-hmm. in a standard twelve team mixed league. Points league. Uh either one, but yeah, I mean he's he's a little Better geared for points leagues because of the innings and the the low K per nine, but um, you know it, it's really the innings that sets him apart from everyone else. He's ranked around like he's a player you trust to go 200 consistently, um, and and with the really strong Twins lineup backing him, that's a lot of wins potential there that would translate in any format. So, um, you know, he doesn't have the sizzle of like a Lance McCullers, but he I could see him into I could have seen him being more valuable. Uh, I ranked him a little behind the colors, but, you know, now, obviously, um this really cuts into what his innings total is going to be. And we don't know how effective he's going to be when he returns either. So this may well drop him out of mixed league consideration.
1: Yeah, I will. I, he was already and I kind of hate this because he was one of the guys that I'd settled on going to be on my uh, do not draft for Roto list <laughs> Um just because I okay, I just don't think what he does is going to be all that valuable. And there's not a, really a ceiling there, but now the floor is really low as well. I won't be drafting him in points or roto, mixed leagues. Okay,
0: this is Irvin Santana. We're talking about 10 to 12 week injury, so he could miss what more than a little more than a month of the season, and uh, and who knows, could always have setbacks. And it's a pitch, it's a finger injury on his pitching hand too. Uh, a couple more news items: The Rangers signed Senwano to a one year, two point seven five million dollar deal. That's pretty cheap this market. This is a guy who went from having a 192 ERA and 103 strikeouts to 18 walks in 79 and two-thirds, just a brilliant 2016 season, to being awful in 2017. Awful might be a little strong. Being pretty bad, 410 ERA, mm-hmm. half the strikeouts. Um,
3: Considering he was a top-10 reliever, at least for me, coming into the year, it was awful. It, it, and, for fantasy purposes, yeah, huge bust M1O. He didn't keep the role obviously. And even when Trevor Rosenthal got hurt, he didn't wasn't considered for the role again. Uh you know, we don't we don't really know who the Rangers closer is going to be this year, but I would imagine O is like fourth or fifth in the pecking order. And really it's it's a non starter if he can't regain the slider. He had his rookie season because that it just wasn't there for him last year. So who's your best guess who's going to be the Rangers closer? My best guess is it's going to be Alex Claudio to start the year, but seeing as he's not a bat-misser, uh, Keone Kella is actually the Rangers reliever I rank the highest.
0: Guys, any any agreement, disagreement there?
1: Uh, Claudio is definitely the guy. I, I probably feel slightly more optimistic of O's chances of getting saves at some point this year. And also agree that Claudio should start the year as the closer and also agree that Claudio will lose the job at some point in the season.
2: <laughs> Rangers I'm closers. Not, I'm
1: not sure how excited I am about Keanu I w-
2: would not draft any of them. Really? Like maybe with a final round pick, but I've just, yeah. I'm at the point now where I, there is so much turnover at the closer position. Like is it unreasonable to say that half of closers that open the season will lose their job at some point? No, it's not unreasonable at all. It might be more than that. So what's the point of more than, like, your last round pick with Alex Claudio? I agree.
3: I, I mean, if you get into, like, a 15-team Roto League or certainly, like, an AL-only format.
1: Sure. Then, yeah, you have to— I see no reason to draft him in points.
3: Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely not in points. Um, but, you know, in, in Categories League, you— You normally like to have that third save source. Yeah, right, exactly. You want somebody
0: to give you some saves. Okay, and the Giants are going to retire Barry Bonds' number. Does
2: anybody object to this? I mean, you're going to retire the number of a guy who can't even get into the Hall of Fame. Right, I mean. Like, how watered down is that? (laughs) (laughs) Sad, sad
3: history, that franchise. Forget about the Diamondbacks retiring Luis Gonzalez' number. Or shoot, the Braves have retired Dale Murphy's. I mean, you know.
2: I think the Miami Heat have retired Michael Jordan's number and Dan Marino's. <laughs> that makes a little more sense. Uh, can uh can I go back to the the saves discussion for just one second? Well, I don't know, Chris. About uh about Yeah, sure, fine. I'll forgive you. Uh I'm sorry. Um so last season, you needed 73 saves to get to 6th place in your average roto league. You know, that, that third closer, like you said, it's, it's a nice thing to have. I don't know if it's necessary on draft day.
3: Well, it's, I think it's necessary at some point, particularly if you approach relief pitcher the way I do. I, I, in, in roto leagues, I'm all about quantity over quality. I would rather not spend for the high end closer. I would rather just take three crummy closers and trust that their save total is going to put me in the top four because it usually does. Um, and you know, maybe one of them doesn't pan out long as you're playing the waiver wire it's pretty easy to find it's not pretty easy to find a replacement but there's a good chance you'll find a replacement if you're, if you're trying to you know pick up two closers off the waiver wire and count on that uh, it's no guarantee it's going to happen early enough to keep you competitive in that category
1: well and especially if you're taking closers towards the end of the draft and you only take two of them there's a good chance you have none of them it, exactly yeah. right. like it,
3: it's one thing if you're willing to invest in kimbrell or jansen um I'll probably Chapman. have four or five closers. I mean, who's your number 4 reliever? Mine's Knebel, but it's not like, you know, he even has a full season in the role. I I obviously really like what he did last year and think he could be great, but it, you King know, Childs. I thought Sun 10 was going to be great last year too. So so much turnover. Yeah. I it's think scary. It's, uh, it's scary I, unless you really spend a lot there.
0: I think in Roto Leagues with nine pitcher spots, 12 teams, I think it's um the hardest position for me uh in terms of strategy. Because, you know, pitch, starting pitchers aren't as good anymore. So if you get really good relievers, not only are you helping saves, like you could really be impacting your ERA and your whip now. Yep. Um, and they're just, you know, it's, it's not like I want two closers and the rest starting pitchers necessarily because the starting pitchers might just not be good. They might be hurting me when I put them in, um, in, in
1: the ratio categories. For sure. Your, your sixth and seventh starter are going to be bad. That's why you draft somebody like Andrew Miller.
2: So last season, yeah, Andrew Miller last season was worth about as much in a roto league in the ERA category in 62 innings as Drew Pomeranz was in 173. Drew Pomeranz had a 332 ERA. Andrew Miller had a 144. This is based on.
1: And that's a good one.
2: This is based on your average uh, team last season that had, I think, 1400 innings was the average last season. Okay. That's interesting. Yeah, that is that, interesting. That actually makes it
3: you know, Pomeranz is what rounds he going to go an 18 or something like that. Like that and, but, and he was just as valuable in ERA as Miller was last year. That if anything that makes me less motivated to draft a reliever for
1: ERA. I and, think the problem with that is you got the best case scenario out of Pomeranz because and, he, and most pitchers you draft in that area most starting pitchers you draft in that area are going to give you a four-plus ERA hmm. in the 18th round, or well, or you're just dropping them in a month.
0: Scott and Heath both did very well in the Roto League last
1: year with completely different strategies. With completely different relief pitcher <laughs> strategies, yeah. Like, like, did you draft a closer? Didn't you go really light on saves last year? I always go really light on saves. And I drafted, like, five or six relievers, and Scott and I were in the top three all year.
3: I mean, the thing is, I don't go light on saves. I just go light on... I just don't invest much in relievers because while I want saves, I think, you know, it's just a counting stat that you anybody who's filling that role, you can count on him to deliver in that counting stat. So it's not... I just don't think it's the sort of thing you have to invest in. Now, it changes completely when you chop the player pool in half, and suddenly there's only 15 guys capable of filling that role versus 30, and every closer goes for a premium in AL and NL only, and you know, unless you're just punting the category or uh, hoping to get lucky mid-season, you kind of just have to, to buy into it, and I, it's frustrating, because that's obviously not the way I'd normally like to play fantasy, but that... That's, uh, that's one of the interesting aspects of the position.
0: Uh, I look forward to having, uh, more of an RP strategy discussion and it changes in points leagues and it changes in head-to-head categories leagues. It's, it's a pretty interesting position. I think it's gotten a lot trickier, uh, over the last few years. So that is, that'll do it for the news and notes. We actually, I think, have an email at baseball at cbsi.com about closers in head-to-head categories leagues. So I think we'll come back to this topic later if we can. But let's talk about some oldies, but goodies? With a question mark, can these guys be good or are they
1: just old, too old? I really kind of resent this entire discussion.
0: Wait, you, you talked over my Happy Gilmore drop, Heath. That was yeah. di-
2: old,
1: too
0: old. I mean, it took me like a whole five minutes to make that clip and I and
2: was so it.
3: excited about it, Heath.
2: Yeah, How could you do that, dude? Was, him? There was Is this your involved? worst show ever? Uh, what what am I doing? I, I can't Wait. imagine somebody ruining something that Azer did live on the air. I am offended. Thank you,
0: thank you. Okay, so are they? Why are you offended, Heath? You're not that old.
1: I think I'm older than every player on this list. Yeah, but you don't play baseball. You'd be no, a terrible you're baseball. Not older player. than Adrian Beltray. How, How old is Adrian Beltre?
0: Isn't he forty? Uh
1: I believe he is. 30, four days. He, no, he's 39. Than me. He, he'll be 39 in April. I will be
2: 39 in April.
1: Oh, oh you old. Nelson Cruz? <laughs>
2: no, Nelson Cruz is like 30. Yeah. You, you're old. old. You're too old. Watch. Old. Too old. Thank you.
0: See? Exactly. So, uh, here are the eight players. Miguel Cabrera, Adrian Beltre, Jose Bautista, Nelson Cruz, Robinson Cano, Brian McCann, who might be the youngest on this list, but he's a catcher. So add he's, like five uh, he's years. He's 40
3: days older than me. Oh, We're going to go. Days relative to uh, podcasters here.
0: Do you just know how old everybody is in relation to your birthday? Everybody.
3: Who no, Brian McCann Braves? is uh, has a special place <laughs> in my heart. Okay. Yeah,
1: Adrian Beltre for me because he was born in the literal same month that I was. That's the only yeah. reason I know that one.
3: Edwin Encarnacion
0: and Ian Kinsler. So let's start with Miguel Cabrera. Miguel Cabrera. I mean, look, we know the deal here. 2016, he was an elite player. 2015, 2017, he was. Outside the top 30 at, uh, at first base. And he played 130 games. And there's just, I mean, he just didn't do anything. He was terrible. 249 batting average, 16 home runs. He slugged 399. Is Miguel Cabrera
1: still good or is he just old? I, it really, and I, I was writing about this in the Tigers, uh, team outlook. It, it depends on whether you just want to look at his actual production from last year or you want to look at his batted ball data and how much you trust the batted ball data with him playing half of his season at Comerico. Comerico, we don't think that the I – mean, bat- well, we, we just don't know. We don't think it's right. Like but if you look at virtually every player in baseball history or 90 percent of them that puts up a 42 percent hard contact rate and a 27 percent line drive rate, they are an elite hitter. That's what he did last year. And somehow he hit 249 with a slugging percentage below 400. Now there was some pretty good stuff about his big problem was that it was a little bit of an Eric Hosmer type problem to where a lot of his hardest hit balls and his best contact was like to right center and Comerica was just swallowing it up. He was really having a hard time pulling the ball with force, but I'm not ready to write him off. At the same time, you definitely have to draft him at a discount this year. He's a, he's a low end number one first baseman for me.
3: The other variable here is that Miguel Cabrera was playing all of last year, I believe with a hip injury, um, which may have contributed to his issues turning around on the ball. You, you mentioned that the kind of hard contact he made the kind of line drive rate he had you know that that would normally make a hitter a stud I mean and I I know there's reason to be skeptical of the hard contact rate at Comerica but the line drive rate was his highest ever at 27.3 and yet he had a 292 BABIP when he's normally up around 350 so that just doesn't add up to me maybe the injury was contributing to it Maybe it was just a totally fluky thing. But I, I think for the right price, like round six or later, I'm willing to gamble on Cabrera. And uh this this season might ultimately tell whether he's just not good anymore.
1: And at the very least, he did have his highest strikeout rate since his rookie season. I, I do yeah. think it's reasonable to say he's not what he was. But there's also a very good chance that he's still a very good hitter.
2: You know what it makes me think of is uh Andrew McCutcheon. In 2016 Now he had more indications Of a declining skill set But this was still a bona fide Elite player Who had one down season And pretty much bounced back The next year Mm -hmm. The batted ball profile didn't change for Andrew McCutcheon All that much from 2016 to 2017 I do think and It's different for a A soon to be 35 year old But the track record Is so good for Miguel Cabrera That, as long as he's healthy, and that's a big if, I I would expect him to bounce back in a big way.
1: I mean, I'd certainly rather draft him than Eric Hosmer.
0: Yeah, is he so, he's sort of, uh, Miguel Cabrera's kind of on like a first base island in the middle rounds, right? Like he's after Jose Abreu. Let me get the, let me get the rankings up so I don't make an idiot of myself. I guess Encarnación and Cabrera could be an interesting discussion. Yeah, I'd much rather have
1: Encarnación. Yeah, I feel safer.
0: But then it's like you're definitely going to take Cabrera over Carlos Santana, aren't you? Yeah. So I just I think he's sort of like on an island in between Encarnacion and and Carlos Santana. Um,
1: a, a guy that I think has a lot of simi- similarities is Matt Carpenter for similar reasons. They're they're both older players, they both had batted ball data that looked a lot better than their production last year. Mm-hmm. And they're both going to be huge discounts on draft day in relation to what their history shows. And
2: Acer drafted both of them in our latest mock draft. Well, Azer's drafted Matt Carpenter in every mock draft
1: I've ever participated in.
2: I, I mean, why not? I, <laughs> no, at the he's twelfth, twelfth round. You got him, and Miguel Cabrera, you got in the sixth round.
1: Mm-hmm. I Roto, would take right? both
2: of those guys all day. At those yeah, I,
3: I had an issue with Carpenter in that draft where I I had already filled first base, corner infield, and utility, so mm. I just. You know, I, I couldn't draft him at that point as nice of a value as it was. One point of clarification, it was actually two herniated discs in Cabrera's back that were an issue all season. He did have a hip injury at one point, but that wasn't the biggest issue. I'm pretty sure
1: if you have a herniated disc you have a hip problem too. <laughs> I don't I think those those are maybe yeah. Pain wise. Is it d
0: is it, di- is, it di- di- is uh is herniated disc spelled D I S C or D I S K? See, see, okay, cool. I'm just adding. see it's spelled both ways. Adding to my know. notes here. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right, next guy. Could he be good or is he too old? Adrian Beltray, slightly older, younger than Heath, older than Heath. Older? Uh, he is
1: actually eight days older than I am. Okay, he will be
0: 39 years old in April, and he was awesome in he 94 games. He was really games. good last year. Batted three twelve. With 383 on base, 532 slugging. If he had played, I always go 155 games. If he had played 155 games, would have been the number four third baseman in points leagues, behind Arenado, Ramirez, and Chris Bryant. But he missed two months with a calf strain, then he had a hamstring strain late in August. So you know, I mean, we haven't we haven't seen a bad season from from uh, Beltray in a while. Like, what's yeah,
3: what's I, I, not to like? And he goes really I, late. I, well, what's one, what's not to like is he's about to turn 39. Right. But you know, even when he was about to turn 36, 37, we were just as worried about the age then. I don't know why everyone's decided this year is the year to avoid Adrian Beltre because I've seen him go as late as like round 15. Right. In a road maybe that speaks to the depth of the position and just why why chance it on an old guy like that. But I mean, he still has he still has top. Five six potential. I feel like he's he's probably a guy I'm going to have a lot of shares in just because
1: of, um, the value he presents. I I definitely think he has top five six potential on a per game basis. Yeah, he is probably the least likely third baseman to play 140 games. That's fair.
2: Can he DH? They've got a lot of guys, right? Yeah, like Willie Calhoun might just be a DH. Like, he might not be physically capable of playing anywhere, so you have to account for that. Gala will play some DH. They, they've got a lot of dudes. But, like, you know, looking at the last mock draft we did, the person who drafted Beltre, who was Scott White, mm-hmm. also drafted Mike Mustakas five rounds earlier. I mean, I'm not sure I think Mike Mustakas is going to be better than Adrian Beltre, it's- let alone five rounds better. wait. At the same price, I might rather have Moustakas. At that rate, Beltre looks like a huge steal. Yep. Yeah. Right. He, I took him.
0: He was top five in 2016. He was on pace to be top five in 2017. Uh, but Beltre did play the fewest games of his career with just 94 games. So, yep. And it, it goes quickly sometimes. And I think this next guy is a pretty good example. Jose Bautista. Is he... Does he still have the potential to be good? First of all, he needs to sign somewhere, and it, or is Jose Bautista just too old? He's thirty seven years old and was awful last year with a two hundred three batting average, twenty three home runs in one hundred and fifty seven games. Your thoughts on Bautista, guys?
3: Old, too yep. old. I, mean, I think not he's, even sure anybody wants him. He doesn't have those um, reasons to hold out hope that Miguel Cabrera has. You know, mm-hmm. that's that's the real distinction for me. Plus, he's what four years older. Yep. All right, so I'm just going to hit this. Old!
0: Too old! And we'll move on to Nelson Cruz. Nelson Cruz is DH only. Last year, he was the number 17 hitter in points, number 13 in Roto. He is 37 years old. Cruz has hit 39 home runs or more in four straight seasons. Is there any reason not to love Nelson Cruz? Shouldn't he be like a third-round pick, even if
2: he's DH only? He's like... Almost Ortiz-level good. He's 37. <laughs> in terms of just numbers, he's probably the most consistent player in the last four years in the entire league. Maybe Anthony Rizzo. Yeah, you're but right. But his numbers are better than Anthony Rizzo's in that span. <laughs> you're right. Um, but the thing about, like, it didn't happen to David Ortiz, but it happens to pretty much everyone else. At some point, you just lose it. Maybe Nelson Cruz will be like David Ortiz, and he will retire before he loses it. But it often comes without warning. You have to discount him for the age, no doubt. What about when, where is he going normally? Uh, um, I'm trying to pull up some mock drafts. He was 53 overall in the fifth round in the most recent. Mock and, draft.
3: and the other thing that's changed from previous years, because I feel like you know, just last year we were seeing Nelson Cruz going like round three. Mm-hmm. He was outfield eligible then, and at least in CBS sports he's he's not. He's he's D H only. Now could he get five games in the outfield and recapture it? Absolutely. But,
1: I, I thought that same thing when I, I drafted him in our AL only league, I think in the third round in our most recent AL only draft. And I thought, you know what, he's gonna play five games out in the field eventually. He played four games before August in the field all of last year.
2: Played yeah, his yeah. fifth
1: game like at the end of August. Yeah, yeah he no played four games by sure. the end
2: of May and then they didn't play, play another one until yeah, August. And, you know,
1: you could say, oh, come
3: on, Mariners. But the reason he's enjoyed this late career, like yeah. the best portion of his career has been the end of his career. And I, I don't think it's at all um, a coincidence. It's also been when he's... Been playing mostly DH. Right. He ah, I would like get that. hurt a lot early like that, on.
0: That he's DHing. It seems to prolong people's careers. Uh, I would bet that he is, I don't know this for sure, but I've played on Yahoo a few years in a row now. I would bet that Nelson Cruz is outfield eligible on Yahoo. So if he were
3: outfield eligible, which round would you take Nelson Cruz in? Probably like round four. I right now, more it's more like five or six on our site, but I could see doing round four if he, if I, could play him in the outfield. Okay. Would you draft Tommy Pham or Nelson Cruz? I would probably draft Cruz. He's so good. You know what? I love me some Tommy Pham. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Alright, let's move on to the next.
0: This guy's pretty interesting, I think. Robinson Cano. He was the number 8 second baseman in points, number 11 in roto, uh, last year. He is 35 years old. And Cano had an 8.13 OPS before the All-Star break. He was on pace for 33 home runs over 155 games, uh, which would be pretty damn good. After the All-Star break, he was terrible. He was on pace for 13 home runs in 155 games. Cano had a 7.65 OPS after the All-Star break. He did deal with a lower body issue in the second half of the season. According Just reading the update on our website, according to Shannon Dreyer of 710 ESPN Seattle, uh, those issues affected Cano primarily in the field and on the bases, not at the plate. So, like, I think the picture that you draw of Cano in four years with Seattle is that he has had one great year, and it was 2016. And there have mm-hmm. been excuses every year: injuries, death of his grandfather. Um, and, and I mean, I guess if you want to be a total optimist about Cano, maybe he really is still a great player if he just stays healthy. But it's harder and harder to make the case, I guess. So what do you guys think about Robinson
1: Cano? I don't think he's a great player anymore or a great hitter anymore. I don't think he's a great fantasy asset anymore in comparison to all the other hitters. Um, I have a hard time dropping him too far at second base. He's,
3: like, he I think he's probably, like, sixth in my second base rankings. But his production, like, if if you get a best case scenario from Ozzie Albies, who, who may be, like, 15th in my second base rankings it's going to be better than robinson cano so i don't really think like you have to rank somebody sixth at second base so cano gets the benefit of the doubt for me but he's not somebody i expect to draft um much at all i think i think he's old and i think he's been old for four years now and just just uh i don't know just had something special happen in 2016. Yeah, got a fifth old. In too old! Sorry, Back. bad timing.
1: Yeah, I'm not quite – I mean, he's a top <laughs> five-second baseman for me in points, so I'm not quite ready to go with too old. Okay, bad timing there. I was. It made sense after
0: Scott's comments. Uh, do you guys think there's any chance that Robinson Cano could have a 2016-like season? 298, 39 home runs, 103 RBIs. Yeah. You do?
3: I shouldn't expect it. Okay. I'm putting the chances at very low.
0: He also doesn't steal any bases, and second baseman, a lot of them do steal bases. So I'll ask you, Chris Towers, Robinson Cano, or quit Merrifield?
2: Uh, gosh, I'd probably go Merrifield. Ugh.
3: It, no, Cano. Oh, he's it's, the Merrifield downer, It's, it's easy.
2: Just give the cop-out answer.
3: Yeah.
1: give. It's an easy cop-out answer. <laughs>
3: yeah, Cano no, points, no, 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 no. Merrifield-Roto.
1: Cano in points, yeah. Merrifield-Roto.
3: <laughs> okay. You've got a cop-out if it's what you do that's.
1: Just reality it still feels like a cop out. <laughs> All right, let's go to. If you uh, don't know what a cop out is.
3: Let's
0: go to our next hitter, Brian McCann. Brian McCann was the number nine catcher in points, number ten in Roto, in only uh, like ninety seven games. I think I forgot a number here. I put seven games in the notes. I think it was ninety seven games. And oh, I, in fact, it was first twenty four games. He had an eight seventy eight OPS. He got off to a really good start, and then it was pretty bad. Seven nineteen OPS in his last seventy three games. McCann will be 34 years old in February. He had two DL stints last year, a concussion in May, knee soreness in August. It feels like he is falling apart. He also can't hit lefties.
3: Yet if he hits 230 with 23 home runs, he'll be a top 10 catcher. So, you know, yeah, that's, that's the thing. Like you you say he feels like he's falling apart, but you look at his numbers, he's been falling apart for six years now. Like there, there's just a lower, uh, he's established a lower baseline that still tends to be high among catchers because catcher's so bad. I kind of feel like Brian McCann is, is being underrated in fantasy because, you know, he was still starting caliber with only, in only 97 games last year. I think he's going, I, I think he's going to play more this year because yep. Carlos Beltran is out. So that frees up more DH time for Evan Gaddis. They, they've been saying they don't really want Gaddis catching that much. They're going to carry a third catcher. That third catcher isn't going to be deserving of taking a bats from Brian McCann. Um, so I, I think a, a rebound on some level is, is more likely here than, uh, him establishing an even lower baseline. I
1: don't expect a rebound in terms of like per plate appearance or per game production. Right. I do think he's old, too old. <laughs> I don't think he's a very good hitter anymore, but catcher's awful. And I can't find like I've I've got
2: him top eight because my I don't know who to put ahead of him. All right, here's here's the one question I would ask: How many plate appearances would you expect for Brian McCann? For seventy five. How many would you expect for Steven Vogt? Four hundred. Stephen Vogt went undrafted in our most recent Roto mock. Brian McCann was drafted in the fifteenth round. On a per plate appearance basis, Brian McCann got maybe a hundred more plate appearances last season, if that. They were pretty much the same guy. But if you're if you're doing per plate
3: appearances your measurement, then the number of plate appearances you expect them to get matters quite a bit, right? And my and my issue, but is is
2: that gap like is Brian McCann someone who's worth a middle round pick if a very similar player that you expect to play eighty fewer plate appearances? That much, like um, I just, I, I,
3: I expect the difference to be greater than that. I mean, looking at what Vote did last year and Manny Pena's, uh, Manny Pena might be better than Vote. Um, they like his defense, so Vote doesn't have any defense. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, but
2: I, it's it's really not about Stephen Vote as much as it's just about like I just like as a number two catcher, I think I'm okay with Brian McCann, but he's not someone that I'm ever looking at.
3: Like you. You're never gonna draft him as a number two catcher. Right. I'm sure he's in everybody's top ten. Yeah, that's why I'm saying I'm never gonna
0: draft him. I also see a lot of potential for McCann to just, for this to be like the last year where we draft Brian McCann. I,
2: sure. I see,
0: cause, you know, when he was on the Yankees, he was always playing through a foot injury, and I kinda felt like, alright, he's, he's gonna break down, and I think last year it started to happen. He had two DL stints, one's a concussion, so I'll just say he had one kinda breakdownish DL stint. I see potential for Brian McCann to hit rock bottom.
3: He could, what happened to, what happens to Brian McCann could be what happened to Stephen Vogt last year. I don't know if that's rock bottom, but it's, uh, obviously, uh, losing a lot of fantasy value. You know, I, I just think, like, <laughs> I don't know who I'm going to rank ahead of. Him. Round like, <laughs> you know, you're drafting Salvador Perez in round eight. You're drafting Brian McCann in round sixteen. McCann sounds like a much better deal to me. I not I kind of like in two catcher leagues. I like the McCann combo. I'd
0: rather I'd rather have Perez eight rounds earlier. At least I have a chance for a great player at the position. I'll trade him before you the All Star
3: break. I mean, McCann's pretty reliably hitting 20 home runs. You're not going to find He's that. He's batting
0: 230
2: catches. or maybe 240 yeah. if you're lucky. Yeah, I, yeah. I I'd mean, Perez ra- is better, but you're talking. Much 8 better. rounds different. Who do you expect to play more, Brian McCann or Mike Zanino? Um it depends how well Zanino performs. Zanino played more last season.
3: <laughs> Zanino gets sent was, down to the minors but every But Mike
2: Zanino played more last season and was significantly better.
3: Uh, he hit for more power. I don't know. He hit he, for
2: a higher average.
3: Well, that's not something I expect to continue. Like no. what was his batting no, last year? It was insane. I mean, it
2: was yeah, it was 3.55. <laughs>
3: He strikes out 40% of the time. Yes. Zunino is not a good player. Alright, we'll wrap it up here.
0: We got uh, two more. I want to make sure we have time for our AL only draft. Edwin Encarnación. Number five in points, number eight in roto last year. He is 35 years old. Uh, how old is Miguel Cabrera? He is also, he'll be 35 in April. So Encarnación is a little bit older than Miguel Cabrera. Got off to a bad start. First 41 games, he had a 689 OPS. But his last 116 games, Encarnacion, 949 OPS, and also encouraging 77 walks to 83 strikeouts in those 116 games. Um, and actually played a lot of games. He's played 116 and 157 games in his last two seasons. Encarnacion had been pretty injury-prone, usually like, you know, 1DL stint every year. Uh So anyway... Raw numbers, last six seasons, he's averaged 269 with 38 home runs and 110 RBIs. Do you, do you have any fear drafting Edwin Encarnacion or do you think he's,
3: you know, pretty safe to be pretty awesome? I have some fear. It's, it's kind of on a Nelson Cruz level to me. I think they're back to back in my top three hundreds. You know, it's, it's obviously not the fear I have for Miguel Cabrera because that production hasn't really fallen off yet, but the strikeout rate has been going up. He's obviously. On the wrong side of 35 now, or is he just now 35?
0: He's 30. He's 35. I'm not sure when he'll be 36, but he's yeah, 36, he's getting up there. Age 35 season for
3: Encarnacion. Um. So yeah, I've downgraded him solely
1: because of age. Yeah, he he's listen, Just looking at what he's done recently, he should probably be a second round pick. He should be viewed in that elite tier of first baseman. He has been. Maybe a poor man's version, but basically Nelson Cruz in his consistency with 39, 42, 38 home runs over the last three years. And he's younger than Nelson Cruz. So I think the, there's a slightly less risk. Love, he has a, has probably a top four or five chance of leading baseball in RBI if he's not hurt with the guys he's going to have on base in front of him. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I, he's a late third round pick for me.
0: Encarnación. Would you rather have Encarnación or Abreu?
1: Abreu. Encarnación.
2: Chris? Is this, uh, is this an Abreu in points, Encarnación in, in Roto, just because of, and this is, I'm gonna just steal a Heath thing. Good. But Roto, (laughs) you're going for first place. Encarnación has much more upside.
3: I don't even know that that's true anymore. I, I think Abreu is definitely the roto target because he always hits 290 or better. And Encarnacion, the upside is 270, right? And I think the power upside is similar. Uh, you know, I, I would have said in the past Encarnacion was a better points league option because the strikeout-to-walk ratio was better, but that's not even true anymore, the the way Encarnacion's strikeouts are escalating. Well, that's so a, you know, I, I, see, think, I think, think, like think Abreu Encarn- is definitively better in both formats. I think Encarnacion's... Before you even
2: factor like, age. Likely outcome, assuming health, is like thirty seven, thirty-eight home runs. Yes. Abreu's is thirty, thirty-one.
1: Uh, Abreu has never hit as many home runs as in the has hit each of the past. Three I'll
2: years. take five or
3: six fewer homers for the twenty to twenty five point batting average increase. Maybe thirty batting a, point batting
1: average increase.
2: You know, yeah. then another ten RBI and tens ten runs and
1: yeah. He's well, going to beat him in three out of five categories. Neither of them are going to make a difference in stolen bases.
2: Let me,
0: let me just finish with this because the strikeouts are important here. That was what people were concerned about with Encarnación going into 2017. His strikeout rate went, uh, up in 2016. And you look at it again in 2017, it was pretty similar, you know, right around 20%.
1: That's not bad though.
0: But, but also, I mean, what do you make of the fact that his first 41 games, he had 27 walks, 50 strikeouts, 50 strikeouts in 41 games, but then, he, he broke out of that. 116 games to finish the season with 77 walks to 83 strikeouts. Do you prefer to look at the full season numbers, or do you full think... season
1: numbers? Yeah. But, but what I would say is, like Jose Abreu does not strike out now as much as it looks like, and Encarnacion and does, although it's really close. But he walks three times as often, or at least twice as often. His strikeout mm-hmm. to walk is still a major advantage over Abreu. He's better in both formats.
2: And I... And Carnacion's gotten off to slow starts like three straight years hasn't he? The age doesn't concern you at all. It I definitely mean, a, a concerns brave's
1: age isn't
2: you're you're not really
3: worried about his age at all.
2: That's but, why I'm saying for that's why I'm saying for for Roto where I'm aiming for upside, I'll take the guy who could give me 40 homers and 120 RBI and in head-to-head where I just want someone who's there every week chugging
1: along, I'll take Jose Abreu. And Abreu is 31. He's not the age where you're like, oh, the drop-off could happen. But, he but could. he's certainly at the age of we shouldn't like, – this is where the end of the peak or the start of the decline does happen for a lot of players. He's – I don't – the age makes a slight difference. It, but Encarnacion owns I mean, just a better baseball, better hitter. Eh, well,
3: he wasn't last year, and I don't think – at the ages they are now, you should expect them to be going forward. Either
0: he wasn't last year. Um, nope. He was eight points worse in Roto in points, obviously. Yep. And then what about in Roto? I bet he was he better. He beat
3: Abreu in runs by one. He beat him in RBI by five. He beat him in home runs by five. But Abreu beat him in batting average by forty six. So, yeah, Abreu yes, was I will better give in advantage Roto. Abreu there.
0: And Carnacion was. Much worse in Roto than he was in points. He was ninth in Roto, eighth in Roto, and fifth in
3: points. And that's usually the case because his batting average is never very good. Yeah,
0: I think I, yeah. I think I'd still take him over Abreu though. Oh yes, uh, for mean, sure. Like I I think that hearing the arguments you guys have made, the only reason I would take Abreu over Encarnacion is age.
3: It's a and it's not
0: a insignificant reason. Like if that's why you want to go with it,
3: that's fine. Makes sense. All right, here's another stat for for a Braves points league value. 43 doubles for Jose Abreu, 20, 20 for Encarnacion. Yeah.
0: yeah, but, th- I mean, this was a great season for Abreu. He wasn't nearly as good in 2015 oh, or
3: 16 was, we, We've no, seen was... better versions of Abreu than
0: this. We've, we've seen two great versions of Abreu and two eh versions of Abreu. Yeah, no, I mean, he
2: no, was better too... as, as a rookie than this. Okay, 2016
0: was was, was kind of bad. 2015 was definitely better than eh. It was 290 But with he was better in 217.
2: In 2017.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Um. Let Let's Let's finish with uh with Kinsler. Let's do it quickly here. Kin I mean, batted ball data good. Walk uh walk strikeout ratio was great. Babbitt was just really low. Is it just the Babbitt thing or, or what with Kinsler? He batted 2.36 with 22 home runs. Will be 36 years old in June.
3: Kinsler's the guy I feel okay about drafting for where he's going. Kind of like. I've said about Beltray, kind of like I've said about McCann. Nobody wants Ian Kinsler. You can get him for very late, Yep. and he was about the same as Robinson Cano last year, and at least in in terms of point per game. Uh, you know, obviously he does different things well than Cano does, does different things poorly than Cano does. But I think the the overall line is similar, and that was in a bad year, a year where he kind of got burned by a bad Babbitt. Now, also, he's going to. The Angels. He's Much going to be batting run. in front of Mike Trout, potentially.
1: Uh, I mean, this is the—last year would be the only year where you could say, oh, he's going to a lineup where he's going to score a lot more runs than he should. Like, he's been consistently at the top of a lineup that's yeah. driven him in. Yeah, and,
3: and he's had better years because and, of it. And now, he scored Miguel more Guerrero runs last year than he should wasn't very yet. good
2: last year, and look what happened to Kimbler. The, the one stat that I tend to look at with older players when looking at whether they're— Skill set is in decline is infield fly ball rate. That, that, that one to me is, and this is where Todd Frazier is terrifying. Um, and Ian Kinsler had the best infield fly ball rate of his career, uh, in 2016 or the best since 2008. And then last year he had his worst in five years. Uh, that to me does suggest selling out for power. That's, that's the way I look at an elevated infield fly ball rate is. You're starting to see someone who has to sell out for power. Um, I think you know, Trevor Story is a good example of a player whose skill set is just built around that. Um, and so that is one place with Ian Kinsler where there may not be a big bounce back coming back. But he's so cheap. He won 178th in the most recent mock draft that I'm okay with it. I think I'd be more interested
0: in Kinsler in deeper leagues where his steadiness would kind of go a long way. Because he, you know, if he gets the batting average back up, he'll give you good production in runs, a respectable amount of steals—about fifteen. Maybe that, you know. that
1: worries me a little bit. I know he's just continued to do it, but at his age, I would not be surprised if he stole five bases this year.
0: Right, well, here's my other point: like he's not great at anything. He's always been a guy who's just sort of accumulated like runs and at bats, and I think and C- certainly.
3: Post Rangers career, I would say that's true. Right, but yeah, yeah, he's had a long the, career. The whole he is has been great in some of the parts, I would also say.
0: He has been great, but, but in terms of like where he's finished in fantasy, cause he's been like last four years, before last year, the four years before that, I think he's been top seven every year, right? Ian Kinsler? <laughs> um, he had been a top seven second baseman for four straight seasons before last year, at least four straight seasons. And I just, he, he was, he just kind of like a guy who plays a lot, scores a lot of runs. So, I don't know, if he declines in skill, he could be terrible but yes. in so in a shallower league like there's not much upside I guess is what I'm saying. In a shallower league I think I can do better. In a deeper
3: league middle infield like he could be just really solid for you. Well, I mean again, it, like it's one thing to say oh he's just a compiler. So let's look at the per game numbers. Per points per game last year Ian Kinsler was 2.96. Um Robinson Cano, 3.04. Jonathan Scope, who we see going like round five or six, also 3.04. I I mean, that's not – that's a difference, but it's not a big difference. And certainly when you consider the fact that Scope was better than we've ever seen, Kinsler was worse than we've ever seen. I mean, I think Kinsler's a much better value there.
0: He is a much better value, but it's like at what point does value not really matter? If you're in a shallow enough league, just get great players. Like that's that's kind of my but Salvador I'm saying Perez he could be
3: top five at the position still. Th- I don't see that.
0: Yeah, right. I mean that's that's my Salvador Perez versus Brian McCann argument. It's like yeah, McCann's a better value eight rounds later, but he might just be a bad player, so it doesn't really matter. Um, like I don't know, I don't quite feel that way about Kinsler
1: versus. No, I th- still- I think Kinsler could be top eight or nine at the position again. I I don't see. I don't see him jumping back into the top five.
0: So we got about 10 minutes left. Let's talk about the AL only draft. We'll save emails for Friday's show. FantasyBaseball at CBSi.com. I think we'll only do three shows this week. Next week we'll start up with four per week, and then we'll get into five. It's still pretty early. Nobody's even close to drafting at this point. But you're going to get a leg up if you listen to Fantasy Baseball today. And please tell your friends. Help our podcast grow. Okay, so uh, AL only thoughts. What did you guys think? I had the 10th pick. Which pick did you
3: guys have? I had... Third, which is All not the place you want to pick in an AL only league.
2: I was second. So that's a pretty good
0: spot.
3: That is a good spot.
0: He, wait, what's wrong with third? Because it's Trout, Altuve, then wah-wah. Yeah.
3: <laughs> yeah, there's an obvious one and two there, and then three. I, I ended up going Stanton,
1: but there were like four guys I could have picked.
3: Heath, where'd you pick?
1: I picked eighth. Okay. I was very happy with my placement in this draft and my start to this draft.
3: I got to say, first base sucks. in. Uh... It does. It is, cause you, you're missing the big four. Yeah.
0: It's, Rizzo, it's deep, it's, deep. It, like, it's deep. You, you've got, you've got some options. Like, if you wait and you're the last person to take a first baseman in a 10 team AL only league, you still probably like your first baseman. But, yeah. for, Jose Abreu is the first guy off the, or Encarnación. Like, it's.
3: Jose, Jose Abreu is the only first baseman worth reaching for in the AL pool because the, there, there is then a massive, um, highly volatile,
1: and, uh, Unless but, you think is better than Abreu.
3: Sure. I, I would say in terms of volatility though, I think we agreed on that much that Carnacion is much more so than Abreu, and that that volatility is an even bigger issue in a in a league specific format where there's no waiver wire to fall back on.
2: I
1: yeah. I don't know why like over the last three years he has been remarkable he's been much more consistent than Abreu in his performance. He's done almost exactly thirty nine, forty two, thirty eight home runs. 111, 127, 107 RBI. You know what? Heath's no longer an ageist. <laughs> I know. But, but I'm just saying in terms of volatility, he has been much more consistent it, than Abreu has. He's been... But what very makes the player Nelson
2: volatile? Well, you know, I'm sorry. It's not, well, it, it's not just what you've done in the past. I, I understand is that. It's about what you're likely to do in the future. But like...
1: Is Nelson Cruz volatile?
2: Yes. That's okay.
3: why we're downgrading him. Okay, so,
2: I mean, yeah. so,
0: just to get back to the AL only discussion, what'd you think of the draft? What were your major takeaways? I'll just read the first round real quick. Trout, Altuve, Stanton, Betts, Machado, Correa, Kluber, Sale, Judge, Verlander. Okay, uh, so, just overall thoughts on, on American League only.
2: I hate having to draft Justin Verlander in the first round in any draft. Yeah, me too. That's and yeah, it was, and it was my pick. Yeah, should, should
1: have taken Lindor. I it's did take Lindor. It's worth pointing I, out <laughs> You probably
0: <laughs> I took Lindor 11th, so you could have. Either, but I no, but it was either it was either Verlander or
3: Carrasco, and you, you, or, yeah, or Severino, I guess. Yeah, and I would have taken I would have taken Severino, but you know. It's, I, I don't, when you consider the players that were drafted around Verlander, I don't think it was a ridiculous pick. We're just not used to seeing that because we're not used to playing with the halved player pool. And, and it's really beyond halved because if JD Martinez was a Red Sox right now, he would probably be a first round pick instead of Verlander. And it, that was one of the frustrations because we, you can only treat the free agents like there's a 50% chance they're going to contribute in this format. And in some cases it's less because there's just no buzz about them going to an AL club. Like in the case of Jake Arrieta or uh, like Greg Holland, uh, there's just so much more um, emphasis. There just seems to be so many more rumors about them going to the NL. So less than 50% in those cases. So none of them are really drafted at the value they'll be if they do wind up in the AL. I think J.D. Martinez was a fourth rounder. Uh, that's where somebody was willing to gamble on that. So that was one of their frustrations in terms of AL player pool, uh AL is deep at second, third, and short relative to NL. You know, most of the player most of the good players are in the AL at those positions. It's very weak at first base. Outfield, um, you're not gonna like your second and third outfielder in all likelihood. It's always deep it's always shallower at starting pitcher because of the DH issue. But what really stood out to me beyond first base, relief pitcher where you know there's there's only a chance 15 players are going to be accumulating saves consistently and I see only 7 in the AL that I feel like will reliably do so that uh that made it reach worthy I think
0: uh did, but I look at the first baseman like here are the here are the starting first baseman for each team just going in uh, I think it's I don't know alphabetical order Yuli Gurriel Matt Olson, uh, Justin Smoke, Chris Davis, Greg Bird, Ryan Healy, Eric Hosmer, Miguel Cabrera, Ebena Carnacio, and Jose Abreu. I guess we saved the best for last. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a big difference between, you know, the top and the bottom, but I, like, I have Yuli Gurriel. I'm fine with Gurriel as my first, as my starting first baseman. Like, I, I don't feel like anybody has a just dreadful first baseman starting for them, whereas, no, it's you know, a fair point. James McCann it's, as a starting catcher, Mike Zanino, Robinson Chirinos,
3: uh, Francisco Mejia. Y- yeah, you know it's it's always it's always relative to what your competition's going to have. Is right. how you should look at it. And and first base, I think the only one with a clear advantage there is the guy who drafts a braid. That's why I think he. That's why I said he's the only one who's reach worthy. Heath would include Encarnacion with that. Fine, but um. You know, if you don't happen to get one of those two, then yes, it's a position you can wait on. You don't want to reach for Matt Olson or whatever.
1: Right. Right.
2: Whoa! who no, you
3: drafted.
0: You take him. And
2: I am thrilled to get Matt Olson in <laughs> well, the seventh round. Well, maybe you didn't reach round. for him. Yeah, That's the seventh round yeah.
0: isn't a reach. You, right. Fine. You take him. You don't reach for him. That's the point. Absolutely. Yeah.
3: Total uh,
2: difference. I I don't think I reached. You didn't. But no, I'm talking about Gary Sanchez. Oh, okay. I I just when it got back to me at the end of the second round, I had to take him. I uh, just. Yeah. He puts you so far ahead of the game. Like, he could produce like Jose Abreu next season. But my favorite pick of the draft was probably Evan
0: Gaddis. I said, bleep you Heath. He took him with the eighth pick of round five, and I took Salvador Perez two picks later. But, yeah, I mean, catcher. It was was also my favorite pick of the draft. Catcher gets gets (laughs) terrible. Catcher gets terrible. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess the question is, do you identify the positions that are super shallow and prioritize those? Like catcher, like relief pitcher, or do well,
3: see, you try to balance it out? The difference is catcher. I mean, it's one thing to pick Gary Sanchez because, you know, even in a mixed league sense, that's, that's the guy you reach for, but everybody's catcher is going to stink. I, I don't see a reason to put a, to emphasize that on draft day, but you know, the difference between a reliever who gets saves and one who isn't getting saves is huge. So if there are only seven, cl- relievers who you think are going to stay closers all year um I, I think you need to make sure you get at least one of those well, even in a 10-team league i mean there's I, there's going to be three teams who get zero if there's an even distribution and some guy may come away with two
2: i'll just i will flip what you said mm-hmm. the difference between a reliever who gets saves and a reliever who doesn't is one bad week for alex Colome. you know
3: what do you mean? There will be
2: relievers. Like that Alex Coleman lost his job last season for a stretch, right? Mm-hmm. And then got it back, obviously, but like, you know, Cody Allen might be two bad weeks for losing you're, his you're job. Just,
1: you're just saying it's all, it's. It will be easier a to, to find kind of a reliever that gets saves than
2: it will be to find a catcher. Yes. Uh, there will be relievers mm, on waiver wire, but good catchers just don't exist. Yeah, right. Well, there, I
1: there. mean, I think there will be in AL only sense, like you said, it's relative to what everyone else has. Gary Sanchez is an elite player that maybe should have been a first-round pick. Evan Gaddis and Salvador Perez are good catchers in this format because they are so much better than what everyone else is going to be. Okay. Yeah. They're so you got three there. What right.
3: about the other seven spots? The, the other se, to, the other seven catcher spots.
1: To hey, we got we got to
3: wrap it up. They're, I do apologize. They're going to be guys. bad. Like, yeah, there's no way around it. They're going to be bad, and I don't think there's going to be a huge difference between the fourth catcher and the tenth catcher. I don't want to spend on the fourth catcher.
0: Uh, I also felt like I didn't want to necessarily reach for, like, mid-tier outfielders. Like, I would have kind of liked to have one elite outfielder. If I could do it again, I might take Springer over Lindor because shortstop is kind of deep. Outfield has, like, a bunch of whatever guys, in my opinion. Yeah. So second
3: and third outfielders are going to be bad and AL only. Yeah, I, I really just swing
1: hard and hope you hit the ball.
0: <laughs> okay. Uh, we do have to go. I apologize for the uh, abrupt departure here. Uh, there's another podcast coming in after us. So thank you to Scott, to Heath, to Chris, and we'll talk to you later in the week, everybody. Enjoy the day.
2: I'm sorry, Adam. Yeah,
0: enjoy the day. It's a, a terrible outro. Goodbye.